0: Today, there are 2 million descendants of French-Canadian immigrants living in New England. These are our stories. Welcome to the French-Canadian Legacy Podcast. This is the French-Canadian Legacy Podcast. I am
1: Jesse Martin. Now, during my time up
0: here at Quebec City, I've had the opportunity to meet some Incredibly interesting people, and I guess this week is someone I had the fortune to meet. Actually, not long after I arrived in this amazing town, I'm really excited to have her on the podcast. Jackie Smith has been generating significant excitement in this city as the head of a relatively new party, Transition Quebec, and as a candidate for mayor. Jackie, welcome to the French Canadian Legacy Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Now, before we get going and talking about Transition Quebec or basically any kind of politics, I'd like to get your story because I think it's a very interesting one. Actually, so. Where are you from, and how did you end up in Quebec City?
1: I am from Hamilton, Ontario, and I came to Quebec City originally for a wedding. And where I'm from, it's it's really industrial, and um, basically the city center for a long time was a bit of a wasteland, kind of boring sort of uh, suburban residential areas. And when I came to Quebec City, I absolutely fell in love with it because... Uh, Well, there's tons of culture, the language, um, felt like a lot of stuff was going on, but also it was walkable and dense and had a vibrant downtown and had a lot of green space. So I uh, came back a year later and I've been here ever since.
0: That's awesome. Now, did you speak French before you got here?
1: Uh, In Canada, we have to take French up until grade nine. So I took it until 14 and then. But I was really, I always really loved French. So I took French right up until, um, well, as much French as I could. And then just before entering university, my French teacher said, you know what? You might as well give up because you're never going to speak French. Really? So, <laughs> oh, yeah. So yeah. I took that. I took the, her words of encouragement there. <laughs> and no. uh, when I moved here, I, I was sort of, you know, I was still passionate about Quebec. I was still fascinated by it. And, uh, and I just... I was teaching English for two years as I learned French. And then I went to law school in French, which was a really sort of way of jumping into the deep end uh, to learn French. It's been it's been really interesting. And honestly, every day I learn something new. So it's it's a challenge to live in your second language. It's a challenge to run for city council or for mayor (laughs) in your second language. But it's it's definitely worth it.
0: I can imagine. I'm having a tough enough time and I'm not running for anything. So no, that's <laughs> all. I'm, I'm definitely not going to law school up here. No, I mean, that's a whole other very interesting topic for sure. But yeah. uh, obviously, first question that just about every candidate gets asked. So I don't know why I would change that. Why do you want to be mayor of Quebec? And why are you the right person for the job?
1: Ah, good question. Um, Well, why I want to be mayor is I started uh, this project, I ran for city council in 20, 2017 and I didn't, we didn't win, but I was also kind of discouraged by the fact that like, nobody was really willing to take strong, strong stances. Nobody really saw the way that cities can have this transformational power and and they're really, um, you know, th- they're the level of government that's the closest to citizens and can really change your life. Sure. Um, Everyone sort of had this attitude of like, just vote for me because I'm a good, competent person and didn't necessarily have a vision. And it was just a sort of a personality politics thing. So I got out of it because of that. And then uh, what, I had a baby. <laughs> and just <laughs> okay. before I was pregnant, um, or while I was pregnant, the, the IPCC, which is the International uh, Panel, International, intergo- sorry, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, Uh, Mm -hmm. they released the report that we really, really need to change court um, because there's not going to be a future. Uh, So that was something that really struck me to the bone because I was going to have this little baby and what have I done? I brought him into this world that has no future. So I decided to get to collaborate with some, this tiny little political party that had just started and say, guys, we've got to, you know, we got to make this very, very environmentally environment and pro-social justice because that's what like cities are going to win the war on climate change sure. and nobody else is ready to do it so it's going to be us so that's uh that's how I got into it and it's been um it's been a really interesting ride because we haven't had any expectations for this sure. uh the mayor who's in place right now has been uh, basically unbeatable for the past 14 years and we just said, you know, we're going to go full throttle on this because we need we need climate action now and see what happens. And the response has just been overwhelming. So I think that uh, I think people well, why I think I would be the best is because uh, I'm not a politician in the sense that I'm dying to see my face on a on a on a billboard or, or have power. I'm here for a specific goal. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> For the, they call it the ecological transition, the energy transition, um, and that's what we're here to do. And that's it, that's our mission.
0: Very, very cool. I like the message on local government. I've Talked to a lot of people about that. For as much time as, you, as in America anyway, we spend following what's going on in Washington, DC. What's happening in your city hall has probably got a lot more impact on your day to day anything that's happening in Washington, D.C., it's a conversation I have with quite a few people. So that's an Honestly,
1: awesome it is, it is because, I mean, state governments, it's the roads that you you drive on, the sidewalks you walk on. Uh, it's the water that you drink, the air that you breathe. Like, it's nothing. <laughs> who who, who it's picks directly up your, trash. your body. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. But where no. it does get sort of, um, it, does, it does sometimes get technical. And that's where I think we might lose people, because it's not to say that there aren't, you know, very vibrant debates on sidewalk planning sure. because there is Oh, absolutely! but it's just you need to to know about it <laughs> you need to you need it's not just um uh fun mudslinging as sometimes personality politics are
0: sure now and i've noted from your bio you got some work as on the business side business analyst mm-hmm. business development you talk about that background a little bit and kind of how that impacts your approach now going into the political realm.
1: Yeah, uh, interesting question. I um, so I did a, a degree in international development and I, I worked in economic development for uh, as an economic development agent for uh, agricultural an organic agricultural co-op, which was um, amazing experience and sure. and on the development. Business development side, I think uh, this is helping me run the campaign, run a, a city council for sure, and I also completely understand how small businesses need help and guidance and accompaniment, and also like they're 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 driven, you know, they're passion they're passionate. A lot of the small medium businesses, the person who's who's leading it is not making very much money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're working yeah. a lot of hours, so Absolutely. I understand how um, how overwhelming it can be. Uh, I also from the, I'm a business analyst, a a consultant. So I work with governments and also large businesses doing strategic planning, but also change management. So my change management experience is, is really helpful for, you know, bringing on the ecological transition because it's my job. Um, I know that, you know, from the, from being in the, the sort of small business end, I know that you, you know business leaders they, they want they want continuity they want predictability they want to know that their money like they're going to get their money made sure. but uh, with climate change that's it's not there's going to be so many unpredictable things and we need to change now but with the change management um you know i have to tell people the truth like um i go into governments or companies and say listen your business is failing you need to change your your plan radically wow. and this is how we're going to do it and it's going to be okay and everyone's going to be better for it and um it's take it takes that courage to be able to come in to these you know sort of cultures these pipe these business offices or cultures and be like we got to change it it has to be now i know you're not going to like it we're going to get through it we're resilient we're smart we're going to be okay um
0: wow. those are not and- easy conversations
1: no, they're not. They're not. But in, I think you know a lot of people are afraid to have those conversations. Absolutely. But um, that's my that's my day to day job because like I, I actually do believe in people. Um, I think one of the things that COVID has changed has shown us is that like our change isn't always like this incremental, slow thing that everyone just sort of slightly sort of eases into. Sometimes the world changes overnight, and you know what? People adapt. They do. Sure. I mean, humans are the most resilient animals. We live on every single continent. We adapt adapt to tons of different changes. It's not like, you know, we're meant to do this, um, even though we don't like it. So <laughs> I, I have a lot of faith in people.
0: No, this is interesting. So I definitely want to talk quite a bit, actually, about Transition Quebec, because I think the entire the entire party is pretty, pretty interesting. Um, so can you just give us kind of an overview? What is it? Look like you talked about how it got started maybe what does it look like now do we have candidates all over the place do we have a, yeah. an office like what what does <laughs> what, what does it actually look like at present
1: yeah um we uh so in quebec city you have the mayorship you have two votes you vote for the mayor and you vote for your city councilor or your ward yeah. um so there's 21 districts so we have now 21 candidates plus me we have our little uh election row here um so people can come in and talk to us and sign our petition nice. um we have a petition against the third link it's it's about a tunnel uh going under this the st lawrence seaway which is
0: we'll definitely have C-way. to talk
1: about that <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i mean we started off i was i was elected by like five people and uh now there's 700 members um we've raised way more money. We set our we set out some fundraising goals uh, mm-hmm. to meet for November 7th, uh, which I thought when we set them were wildly ambitious. And we, uh, we've we gone past that about two months ago. So it's uh, there's a lot of momentum happening. There's a lot of people who are excited. And uh, yeah, we're growing. We're growing a lot. Like it's blown my mind. This experience has just blown my mind.
0: That's awesome. Now, one thing you had mentioned, I wrote down, because so I think it's going to a double take for a lot of the americans who are listening (laughs) to the podcast is that you said the election starts on friday did i catch that correct that's right because there's no starts on date for an election in the states there's election day and you go and you vote so what what does it mean that election starts on friday
1: oh uh what it means is we can start putting up our signs it means that the, oh, okay. the campaign has officially started. So we can put up really? our signs okay. and we can start um, spending money for our campaign. So we can start advertising. And that's basically it. That means that the journalists are also going to, they're officially on duty to cover the campaign. And it and lasts you, seven weeks. And you you know?
0: Wow. So you couldn't put up a sign before this? You're, you're, not, no. you're not being covered by the press before this?
1: Uh, we, we have been covered by the press a little bit um but it's it's more uh it's more official wow now so that's
0: interesting that's, i wish it was only seven weeks in the states that would be amazing
1: yeah the states is like a, in a constant election pretty much that's pretty <laughs> much it. No,
0: no, that is very very cool uh, but obviously we talked a whole ton about the environmental side and how that was the big motivator for you uh, to want to get involved um maybe, can you tell us what is City Hall not doing now that you would do differently when it comes to the environmental side?
1: Um, well, first of all, uh, we take it seriously. Sure. <laughs> the biggest problem right now in Quebec City is, well, the in terms of of emissions, is transportation, individual transportation. So Quebec City is interesting because it has um, it's actually a, a conglomeration of many smaller cities that were uh amalgamated into to one city about 20 years ago so it has a bunch of different downtowns or commercial areas so uh and it's it's very very spread out it's doesn't it's not a very dense city so you need a car two-thirds of the city absolutely needs a car um sure. however one-third of the city you can absolutely you can get around by bus bike or foot where you and i live jesse absolutely so, correct yeah very um, it's this sort of like tale of two cities there's this this big divergency in in it, but it's a question. So transportation is usually a hot, a very hot issue. We, the former administration um, announced a tramway system. Actually, it was a a structuring transportation network, which was stripped down uh, to tramway. So all the political parties are finally for this. Uh, There are certain things that we want to adjust because what the city has basically done is in order to not block traffic, they're going to cut down 200 year old trees, 1700. Oh, wow. 100, 200 year old trees, um, and take out a lot of the existing trees in, in the city center, which is absurd. And it's usually just to make space so that it won't block traffic, where we actually want the tramway to be faster than going in a car. That's why people would take it and not sure. take it. Their- so it's this sort of absurdity that the cities that the the pre- previous administration has decided. So that's one. Of, that's a big issue. Um, yeah. Another thing is we are the. I talked about the third link earlier. Quebec uh, City is based on the Saint Lawrence Seaway, and the southern, just facing the the Seaway, uh, is Levy, which is a, another. It's like a suburb, yeah. very suburban town, and uh, there's a two bridges that link. The, the the two towns uh, getting across the bridge well, from levy to quebec takes 25 minutes
0: it's find um, funny because the two bridges are right next to
1: each other yeah funny. exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah. so it takes uh, it takes about 25 minutes um, and there's very right-wing radio that likes to spin the idea that 25 minutes is an absolutely outrageous time to be stuck in <laughs> Um, I know that like you have to contextualize it. Maybe in New Hampshire, it's not that big of a deal. But anywhere like in Montreal, in my hometown city, which is the exact same size as Quebec City, it's it's nothing to drive an hour and a half, an hour, like an hour, an hour and a half to work is is normal. You know, a lot of people Um, in
0: southern New Hampshire drive down to Boston every day. And that's always over an hour. Absolutely.
1: It's uh, people are totally outraged by it. Uh, And they are demanding that there be a third link. There actually is a third link. Um, it's the it's the ferry. There's a lovely ferry that goes from one downtown to the other downtown. But yeah. there's no transportation. There's no bus link on either side. So it doesn't. Right. You kind of can get there, but then what? So um, we would like to improve the public transit between the ferry um, and the provincial government has been talking about making a third link, so a third bridge. connecting the the downtowns but now it's turned into a tunnel and it's going to be kind of like a the geology is really questionable because it's it'll be basically like a like a roller coaster there's like hills going up and down to go underneath the river and it's going to cost 10 billion dollars so we're against that uh it's we've the 10 billion dollars is insane because it means it's going to potentially let people save 10 minutes um, it's gonna, and we did the calculation, we could essentially buy uh, every user a five bedroom house in Quebec City for the same amount of money. Oh, wow. Or give 150 years of free public transit for that money. So it, it's crazy. Or <laughs> renovate basically every single infrastructure in the entire province, which needs it. So <laughs> so yeah. it's, a, it's a big waste of money. And strangely, we're the only political party who's against it. Um, the other thing that we wanna do is offer free, the free, free bus and free public transit for everybody. Um, We've seen that there's 120, now there's 127 uh, cities that have adopted this. And they've seen a lot of people in the first year sell their second car. Um, Basically the usership, ridership has gone up 10, 15% in the first year. So it's really, uh, it's really interesting. And it also helps a lot of people. Right now we have a an employment i'm sorry uh we have an employment crisis because there aren't enough employees uh businesses are shutting down because they can't find workers yeah so one of the things is people who want to work can't get to work because they don't have enough enough money to buy a car and the bus is almost as expensive as having having a bar little a car it's a a little less expensive but um it's uh it's tricky for people who are trying to get out of poverty Another thing we want to do is increase uh, public housing public hu- and for all new builds increase 20% of, or sorry, reserve 20% for public housing and reserve uh, new lots that come available for cooperatives and also uh, yeah, more, more housing projects. So that's, a, that's a, some of the things we want to do. We are <laughs> also talking about disarming the police. Um, Interesting. It's uh, it's interesting because we've, uh, well, Quebec City essentially has no crime.
0: I, that it's, is unbelievable. If you look at the, because this city is relatively about well the same size as Boston. If you compare the crime numbers, it's staggering.
1: Mm-hmm. No, it's, uh, we do, I mean, like there is, there is crime, but uh, violent crime is very low. It's mostly conjugal violence, which is still a problem. Of course. Um, but the sort of question that we have here is like, there's a lot, there's conjugal violence and, and there's a lot of, most of the the police um, calls, the calls to 911 are about people having mental health crises. Sure. So their the big question is why are the police, police aren't, like police are just aren't, that's not their job. They're not, no, they're, they're not psychiatrists, workers. they're uh, not. Yeah. So why they, you know, these armed men and women coming in it, intervening uh it's it's more of a question of getting you know using the right tool the right resources for the right to solve the right issue and also um strangely enough because i've read a lot about disarming the police and uh quebec city police are actually <laughs> named a lot as oh, an really? excellent example for like in a lot of like handgun debates in the states because there was the shooting at the mosque which we heard about and right. also there's a second, um, um, geez, I don't know how to say it, it was not a shooting, but it was like a mass murder uh, with a man with a sword. And both of those people were stopped by the police without firing a shot, where, which is, I mean, they, I mean, they had their guns out of course, but sure. um, that was shown as being like, well, if the, if the Quebec city police can take down these two maniacs without firing a gun, why do you, Americans need to be armed? Why do the American police need to be so highly armed? So, and the other thing that we're looking at is like, London, England does not have guns and never had, like the police force has never had guns. And they've taken down 200 armed interventions without any guns. So it's a big, you know, if London has been operating this since ever, why is Quebec city that has like no crime? Why can't we do it? So that's another thing we're looking at. And, um, geez, we have, we have a lot of things. Yeah, no, I
0: do. I do. More, but I want to tack on this for a bit. Cause, um, first going back to the whole ferry topic, I want to come back to yes. because <laughs> I, I find that I find the guns topic, very interesting because it's very different than what I'm used to, for sure. one thing that I... First of all, the ferry is amazing. People who have the Patreon subscription know I post videos of me just taking the ferry back and forth for fun (laughs) because I like taking the ferry. Uh, But there's... um, From what I understand, and maybe you can correct me, because I've had um, some fellow students who are in the same program I'm in who live in Levy and say that there's no link in the public transportations between Levy and Quebec. So you literally have to buy two separate... Like bus passes, which yeah. is a, which apparently is a major pain if that's what you would like to do, and so people drive because it's a pain.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, gotcha. um, that's well. That was that's sort of the other idea with with a free bus, is that we looked at the budget and about seven million dollars goes to uh, actually collecting fares in the budget. So if we we'd save million dollar seven million dollars right off the bat, and it would help people from Levy. You know, they just get it they get off the levy bus and they just get on the quebec city bus and it's no big deal
0: gotcha and now it for what this third link this troisième okay. line, now it would where would it draw people off where would this surface when it got into quebec
1: um it's insane <laughs> the plans <laughs> okay. that, the the plans they make don't actually that, that they're proposing don't quite make sense um because they say that there's going to, to be a, an exchanger where people can park under the National Assembly and then take the tram line, which tram line. But that uh-huh. would mean they would need to have a massive, massive underground parking. For sure. Which would mean they would need to dig under basically all of the downtown, which yeah. is insane. So that's going to, that, that blows off that goes against logic uh there's we we don't know uh they say there's also going to be another exchange pool in st rock which is a is sort of the quebec city has like two um has an escarpment a very high escarpment so there's one uptown and one really downtown yeah so it's really (laughs) uh yes yeah and uh and then it's going to come out sort of on the northern part of sort of like closer to where I live in, in Lumalu, um, and right beside an already very, uh, like a neighborhood venue, which is very, quite poor and marginalized. So it's, and it's gonna obviously create terrible air quality, which is already an issue in these neighborhoods. So it's, uh, it's crazy. Yeah,
0: I mean, I've, I've driven through that area quite a bit, quite a bit of students, uh, again, from the program, you know, give them rides home and stuff. And I don't know if that area is set up to accommodate uh, tons and tons and tons of new traffic.
1: No. Just
0: haven't driven through that. But okay. No,
1: it would be essentially um, destroying neighborhoods. And that happened in the 70s. I think that happened in the 70s. It might still be happening everywhere. But in the 70s, uh, they actually... The provincial government took out uh, the Chinese neighborhood and the Jewish neighborhood, like actually just like bulldozed it dozered it and put a highway through. So there's no longer like really a, a Chinese community <laughs> in Quebec City or a Jewish community
0: wow. because
1: their neighborhood was completely destroyed. Wow,
0: that's brutal. Okay, but I do need to get back to guns. Yes. So I do think this is pretty fascinating because uh, I went to, uh, I did a semester when I was in law school, in ireland and i remember talking to there was police officers uh, the garda as they called them there over there who um, did not have guns and that was my first exposure to that could possibly be a reality and i guess their answer for for when there's pretty like drastic situations is almost like there's swat teams in the states there's special armed units in the in big towns in Ireland for should something be necessary they're specifically trained to handle that but if they're if it's not necessary then yeah. the normal police don't have is that kind of what you're envisioning
1: well exactly that doesn't mean that like it doesn't mean that there's no arms ever it just means right. that the patrol officers don't have it on the person so they yeah. don't get trigger happy you know if there's a, a gun in your car that's fine if it's if it's that it's got to that point so it's not you know, having a gun is is just an extra level of of intensity of militarization against uh, against citizens. And I think that I, I, I don't want people people are starting to paint me as like the anti-cop person. I kind of sure. actually have a personality of a cop. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people call my dad, my husband used to call me the sheriff. (laughs) But um, anyways, I, I've worked with police officers. I I worked at the criminal court um, and I actually wanted to be a police officer. I applied to be a RCMP officer at one point when law school was not going very well. And it's, I don't know, and I know lots of cops and I like lots of cops and what I, from everybody in the emergency services, there's not a lot of people are, who are in it for to just get a gun. You know, they're there because they want to help. They want to help people who are in a situation of crisis. They have, like the best cops I know have this total soothing energy. Um, my high school boyfriend, his uncle was the assistant chief of police. And I had a really anxious dog, like a really crazy, anxious little yappy dog that would bite everybody. Okay. and he would come into the room and the dog would just like chill out and like mm-hmm. snuggle up with them because he just had this calming presence and I think that's what policing is about is coming in being like hey what's going on here you know like that's what I think that's what that's what good cops are
0: yeah you know I think in before so I think this is going to get a big reaction because it's going to be brand new I think the idea of <laughs> For a lot of my listeners, police, uh, to not have guns. Um, I would definitely suggest people look into the very first thing that you had mentioned, which is the crime numbers here in this town, because um, this is not what we're used to in the States. I can tell you firsthand, I have never once in the time I've been here, walked down a street and felt nervous or uncomfortable ever, not one time. And I think most of us have places, even in our hometowns, where we would not want to be at a certain hour of the evening fear of safety but that's just not a reality here. this is a different place
1: you're right and you know what jesse like that's something that's a good point to to put in because i remember um like as just as a woman like all my life i was i mean if you're walking down a busy street i get harassed like constantly yeah you know and that was just something that's like it's it's awful but it happens and i remember um well my mother was actually sick and i went back to hamilton and, and after living here for so many years and was working at a law firm and I was wearing a suit and I had like a briefcase and I was standing outside my law firm waiting for my boyfriend to pick me up. And I was getting like cat called and like people were calling me a prostitute. Oh, and I was man. like, I'm wearing a suit outside Right, of law right,
0: right, right, yeah. <laughs>
1: what do you think I'm doing? And yeah, I was yeah. like, oh yeah. Like everywhere else in the world, women get harassed on the street. That doesn't happen in Quebec city. And like somebody pulled up beside me in a car the other day and said hello madame and i was like <laughs> what's going on like who is and i looked over and it was one of my candidates and he's like hey oh. do you want to ride <laughs>
0: that's awesome yeah this is so, this is just a different place for sure yeah. now and you mentioned social justice mm-hmm. i mean i guess what social justice initiatives would you like to see in place
1: well, the bus is, is part of it. This the is the big one. Yeah. Okay. That's a big one. It's, um, it's, it's one of these things that it's, oh, what do you call it? In, in, in French, we say un pierre, un pierre de cou. It's like un pierre cinq mm-hmm. Like, it'll, it'll go far. Um, it, it meets a lot of targets. And social housing, we spoke about that. Um, sure. Also, there's things that are about, like, racial, environmental racism that we want to stop. In Limoilu, in, uh, in northern Limoilu, there's the biggest immigrant population and the poorest immigrant, poorest population in the city. And that is where the incinerator is. That is where the port is, the Port of Quebec, which has h- had problems controlling its nickel and I think it's iron oxide, its red dust. Um, mm-hmm. So it's the most polluted area and the most marginalized and the most racialized area. So there's another project, there's another project, mega project that we stopped. Um, there's another one that's coming into that. It's called the ZEAL, It's the Zone Investante de l'ittoral Est. And citizens actually want that area. It's 15 um, municipal lots that they're going to basically um, create for like high-tech industries and make an industrial park. And we want to change it into a, a green space and give access to the for the fleur of the the seaway so people can actually go swim and have a beach and and enjoy nature in that neighborhood and uh, also improve air quality so that's another big part of our, our our social justice plan as well as with the policing we want to we want to start investing a lot more in the community sector to help people have mental health issues and potentially create a partnership between. Uh, the police and and mental health uh, until then else, uh, workers. Like it, we already, there's know. already a, a project like that. It's just uh, there aren't enough on the mental health worker end uh, people available or, or funding. So we want to increase that funding.
0: Makes sense to me. Now there's a couple of topics that I know if I don't bring up, people are going to ask me why I didn't. So okay. here it he goes. Here goes, listeners. First of all, what role do you think the municipal government has in promoting language and culture and how would you say the current municipal government is doing
1: i think that one of the things that the like the the mayor did here which was really good was he was he called himself like the the festival mayor and he has brought he put quebec city on the map in a lot of ways for i think the international artistic community because there's the daily summer festival which too. was just like sort of like a very, very local summer music festival for a long time. He brought in Sting. He brought in Celine, well, Celine Jones already, uh, Quebecer, but uh, it's huge. Know, Metallica, yeah. lots of big names. And the, I mean, the tech, tickets are, are not free. I mean, it used to be $20. Now they're, I think, 120 but it's still fairly accessible for everybody to go see these sort of big, international names. You should um, see the
0: list of people that just come. It's absolutely crazy yeah. just so see the lineup every year. It's nuts.
1: It, it's sort of, that's that's fun. That's amazing. Uh, he's also did done quite well in, um, in promoting, you know, smaller music festivals and art festivals. But I think in terms of language, one of the things that I find strange about the way that Quebecers learn French and language because we, we actually do have a problem here in Quebec in the province of Quebec with uh, functional illiteracy, like 60% of people are functionally illiterate, oh, which wow. means they can read, but if they read a paragraph, they don't necessarily understand what the first line has to the last in a paragraph. So that's what it, that's what it means. And like, I mean, I think everybody in this podcast probably has a, a little bit of French with them. So I think there's, there's something in the way that like we teach French here where it's very like this, utilitarian like grammar 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 and there's no appreciation of the beauty of it I think in in at least in my studies like English courses were all about literature and poetry and you know plays and making a language has to live Um, it has to you have to appreciate it for all of its color all of its diversity all of its kind of like regionalisms so I think that through libraries uh, we need to Get them a lot more animated and a lot more like you know culturally cranked um, and appropriate, and not just not just not just for books, but actually have a lot of different sort of activities and making reading fun and making language alive. I think that's something that we could do a lot. Um, I think another thing that it would make it that we want to do with our libraries is to put into place more diversity of French across the, the across North America and the world, the Fran- La Francophonie, as we say. Saying this is because uh we talk a lot about Quebec and, and that's great. But also Quebec City is actually the we call ourselves l'accent de l'Amérique. And we are the French speaking capital of North America. We are, you know, there was a there was a program that started by the the former administration to help Franc- French communities across North America revitalize their French know, Cajuns, Cadians, all like, you know, uh, Jesse, like your, your parents, um, you know, from the, the great American exodus yep. going around and being like, Hey, let's, you know, let's try to revitalize the, these, these communities, it's French speaking communities. They cut that funding, which is really too bad, which is something we want to re- reinvert, want to reverse. Another thing that we would want to do is we want to make like our administration, this isn't forcibly like within the municipal. Tool, um, appareil, not necessarily with the government, as a politician, as my own mandate, I want to make Quebec City the place for all French, Frank, Francophiles. I want people just like you, Jesse, like come here, come live in Old Quebec, come like get submersed in French, and you know, bathe in it. Figure out what are the links between your community and this community. I would like to invest in finding ways to revitalize french in lost french in in french communities because i mean nobody else is going to do it if we don't do it we need to like bring people together from all over the americas and say like okay so what you know what happened in in st louis how's that going okay manitoba like what are you doing you know and and did this work did that not work what are the blockages so it would be really one of our things that we want to do is really um instead of having like mass tourism with cruise ships coming in, na no, nah, no. Nah. We really want every single North American university, French department to have Quebec city on the map to send your, your French students here and fall in love and you know, bring your richness about your communities and, and your culture and your literature and your history, you know, bring it here and let's talk and let's, uh, let's revitalize French North America.
0: Yeah, no, it's great. That was actually the topic I was going to get to to wind down the conversation. So I think (laughs) that's cool cool that you got to it now, because I do think this city um, has a unique place uh, in the hearts of everybody who can trace ancestry back to New France. Anyway, this is a very unique place. And some of the things that we've been talking about back home, I would love to be able to somehow be able to fund, you know, 18 year olds to have the opportunity that I had you know, spend six months in Quebec City. You are going mm-hmm. to you are going to return with a different viewpoint on life than you did before you arrived here. No, no, I think, that'd be, I think that'd be amazing if we can find a way to work together. And there are definitely groups trying to do that now, for sure. There's mm-hmm. there's definitely groups trying to connect the, the various pockets of, you know, you know, Franco's all over the North America. But I think it would be great if we had some actual government, supports in this city, that would be tremendous. That'd be super
1: helpful. No, that's, I think that's the thing that, I mean, the The last government, um, how could I say this? It's, it's interesting because he's the, the the past, he sort of like spoke for a generation where Quebecers always felt like the underdog, like they were not important, their culture is, is inferior to like English North American culture. And it's trying to be like, hey, we're important. We're on the map. Look, we have like these, you know, English, uh, these, the big shots coming here. And and that's, that's a big deal. Right. Which is great. I mean, and I think, I think we've done that. We're over that, but I think what we don't realize is how in Quebec city is like how important we are and how unique we are and how many things we actually get right. And, you know, we have a special role to play in North America. And we need to, we need to like embrace it. And we need to, you know, get that going, make the connections. Yeah,
0: Yeah, absolutely. I don't think you're going to have a tough time convincing anybody listening to this podcast (laughs) of the importance of this city for sure. No, that's awesome. Glad to hear that, but all right. The question that I definitely had to get to before we get allowed to wind down, um, because going through, you know, transition Quebec's, uh webpage, which is really mm-hmm. well done. Actually, it's pretty cool. Um I noticed a couple of times that the words independence in Quebec mm-hmm. are in the are in the same sentence. And yeah. you're obviously always going to get attention in this town when you put those two words in the same sentence. So where are you guys coming from on that question?
1: Yeah, this party uh was actually before it was Transition Quebec, it was called Option Nationale, which was a political party. An independent, like a small political party uh, at the provincial level, that was very uh, independent, independentist, sure. uh, independence party, an independence party, um, and their their platform was independence before anything else. My when I first came in here uh, as as leader, I was like, guys, what does that have to do? What does city politics have to do with with independence? Yeah. <laughs> I I don't get it, <laughs> and. Uh, and where it really comes down to is in Quebec city is a historical city. It's one of the oldest cities in, in Canada. It's four or in North America, it's 414 years old and uh, maybe 13 years old. Essentially the federal government is all over the place. It controls a huge amount of the territory. It, it, it's the port. It's the um, giant national parks. It's, it's a lot, most of like an old Quebec and there's two mill- functional, Military bases here, so what that means is, in terms of the port of Quebec, which has had, I mentioned earlier, it has a lot of problems with being a a good environmental um, steward. It's not; sure. uh, it's very polluting. It's uh, it's been basically one of the things we found is like it's been polluting the neighborhood where I live for 40 years. It's you know there are environmental norms that has just been blowing past for many many years for decades. Um, and total impunity. And there has been lawsuits, there's been various different governments that have tried to get into, to do something, but it's kind of like a principality. It doesn't, it's a corporation and it's under federal government um, and we can't really do anything about it. So that's where we came in with the independence where the last, well, the last leader, he was like, if we're independent, then we can have the port which i thought was like okay <laughs> it's, it's kind of sure. like shooting you know using a bazooka to shoot a fly but you uh definitely, you definitely will uh, yeah. but what i actually found was um with another with another uh formal very like hardcore independentist uh, who is who's a, a a former mp and he started the law on on ports of Quebec is that they can actually be turned over to the municipality if we wanted to so um, that's that's part of our, our platform is to take over the the port of Quebec and also in terms of independence having a having the ability to use federal lands parks and and green spaces for the actual residents and not just have them managed by this sort of Federal government that nobody can actually access or talk to. Like, if there's a, if you want to, you know, organize a, a festival, you really, you know, there's no one to call. <laughs> there's sure. no one to like, hey, we want to have a, we want to reserve picnics in these national parks. It just, this doesn't happen. You have so we want to give that sort of access back to citizens.
0: Very very cool. What I'm hoping too, is one day we get a situation similar again to my time in Ireland. Or they have the heritage citizenship. That's like my dream. Or if you have a grandparent born in Ireland, you can become a citizen of Ireland. That's one of the rules they have in Ireland. And there's a ton of people who left during that 100-year period whose families would fall in the same situation that I'm in right now. There's 2 million of us just in New England who I think would quite a few of us would qualify under that something like that. That's my goal. That would be
1: really interesting. I'm going to float that by... uh by some people I hadn't thought about that That's, that would be, be amazing
0: for, yeah my grandfather's both born in St. Napoleon in here so I'd be in for sure now I guess I have to ask you the independent question probably this is the question I get asked um, most I get some decent amount of email I get asked all the time if mm-hmm. from my time up here if I think the uh, independent movement is dead yeah. so uh, I'm curious to see what what your take on that question is because I get it a lot
1: it's definitely not dead it's definitely not dead. I think it's changed. I think the nature of it has changed a lot. Uh, there's now, there's not what, back in the sixties when, when everybody was decolonizing, um, there, was, there was one party, it was Le Parti Quebecois was René Lévesque who, uh, who started the independence movement. And since then there's the Parti Quebecois that used to be also very left wing and progressive that made tons of gains. Um, In the 90s, there's the Bloc Québécois, which was like the federal level, which was founded. So it's basically, you know, the federal party saying, we represent Quebec and don't mess with us uh, because to not split the vote of other political parties. So that was, you know, that's the last federal election, uh, everybody thought the Bloc was dead and it made a roaring comeback. So, So there's that. Um I think also with the independence movement, there it drove a lot of people to feel like, hey, you know, we need to be something. We can't just be this little underdog of of uh you know English Canada or the anymore. So I think that drove drove a lot of industry, a lot of business, a lot of a lot of people, in, you know, could actually have like a good government job in French and go really far, but I think, at least on the, on the private sector side, I think you know, you kind of came. A, a lot of people came to a certain point and said, "Yeah, we can't. <laughs> we, can't we still need to learn English. You know, we right. still, we as much as we want to be proud and we want to be independent, we're still this French island in this English ocean. And you know, if China learning English, well, we should probably learn English too." <laughs> So um, I think there was that sort of um, conscious prise of conscience that happened in the independence movement, um, which sort of petered out uh, the last decade or so, um, but it was really with Stephen Harper who really started to um, change Canada. He was a, he was a, he's uh, Albertan. He was the one who pulled Canada the Kyoto agreements. He's the one that really developed the oil sands, uh, everything like about the environment, everything about native rights. Um, he just absolutely demolished. He did these ominous bills were just completely gutted, uh, he completely gutted like any type of environmental protection. He's kind of like in in that sense. In some ways, he was like a Trump, but he wasn't like overtly awful. I'm sorry. There's like a lot of Trump people, but, uh, he wasn't like, he wasn't mean. He wasn't, uh, like where, where Trump was impulsive. Uh, Stephen Harper was like a robot and just very cold and, and methodical. So a lot of people in Quebec that really, that is and me, me as well. Um, that put fire, that put uh to of fire for the independence movement, where the, the new discourse became anti-colonial and, uh, so like get out of the oil state of, of Canada and block pipelines and have sovereignty over our, our territory and protect the environment. So it was it was sort of that really brought things um, got things going. And then there's been another debate about uh, the hijab in Quebec, which has right. split the sovereigntist movement. And two, uh, there's a lot of, it's sort of a generational thing. There's baby boomers who went through a lot of religious oppression, who just see it as total religious oppression. Yeah, can you explain what
0: that, what that is for those who may not a hijab? be aware. hijab? hijab yeah, is essentially- The, the um, political discussion over it, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, so basically um, in France, the right wing has, the far right, with Marine, Marine Le Pen and, and whatnot, has legislated that women cannot wear veils. A hijab for if you're Muslim, women well, we can't wear veils. That debate raged here for a while. And in, sorry, in France, it's in public, it's everywhere. There is a lot of, it started with the Charte des Québécoise, where it basically said you can't wear, if you're going to wear a hijab, you can't, uh, you can't wear it as being a teacher, a police officer, uh, yeah. in any type of powerful position. So if you're like a director in the fonction publique, so any like you, you basically can't wear it if you work if you're going to work for the government that or any type of religious symbol so that raged and went back and forth for a long time i feel like it's been 10 years and then just recently the cac which is the provincial government legislated that you can't be a te- if you're a teacher a police officer a judge um, a prison guard you can't wear a hijab that's made a big exodus of, uh, of Quebecers who um, is not uh, Muslim Quebecers uh, since it's, it's come through, but there's been a lot of questions around feminism, around racism, around institutional racism within the independence movement. So it's splintered, uh, it's splintered through that.
0: Now, would that apply to other religious symbols as well? Like if I was teaching, could I walk in with a giant cross around my neck or is that also no good?
1: I don't think so.
0: Basically, but, I've got a kind of religious symbol.
1: Yeah, but That's I think true. more particular. I think it's talk about it because I mean, you can you can hide the cross.
0: Of course. No, this is cool. This has been a way fun conversation. I appreciate the time very very much talking to Jack Smith, candidate for mayor here in Quebec City. Now, as we wind down, I just gotta know what does success look like for transition Quebec? in this upcoming election what are the goals
1: I mean the dream is to have you know total power get elected with a huge majority and great I mean like everybody but our goals are to essentially and I know this this might sound really soft but like just do our best you know um we're all part-time well I mean the next couple of weeks a couple of us are are going to be full-time but uh we're new our adversaries are a lot stronger and well-financed than we are <laughs> right. we're doing this we're doing this to change the world so we want to change the world and, I and think
0: one thing you have done a really good job of is um, maybe starting to change the conversation which I think mm-hmm. is
1: cool and I think that's that's another thing um, where where we differ is we're not afraid to to tell the truth. They're not afraid to get people upset. We're not afraid to uh, challenge the status quo. And just, I'm getting ready for the Chamber of Commerce debates and thinking about how, you know, what am I gonna say to them? Because I'm a business person on one hand and I I get it, but I'm also environmentalist and a a terrified mother on the other hand and saying like, how can I, you know, if I was gonna be strictly electoralist, I don't think, you know, the Chamber of Commerce is going to anybody's going to vote for me and, and my my counselors are like doesn't really matter none of these people are going to vote for us anyway <laughs> yeah. but I think it's an opportunity to really challenge people on the status quo about about the environment about social justice and how we can make a better world so every I'm taking this I think we're all taking this as an opportunity to for change
0: that's awesome I gotta say one when- true story of kind of what it occurred to me that you guys were having an impact here is I was walking down the street um, with a couple of friends of mine and we're just you know just going through a, a neighborhood and all of a sudden we see this like this pretty big crowd and a bunch of tv cameras and we're just about to continue walking by and I go to tell one of my friends I'm like let's go check out and see what all this all this excitement is over here I'm just curious to see what going on and i show up and it was you talking about the third link in in front of a very good sized crowd and a whole bunch of tv cameras so i thought that was awesome i thought that was very very cool
1: that was a great day that was a great day and one of the one of the the other things just sort of like for women in politics um i have not been like adrian my son has been with me the whole time. Uh, like literally like when I was breastfeeding and I was like yelling at you know the nickel industry being like why are you poisoning my children you know like in these meetings and uh, and uh, he's been he's you know he's had this sort of huge political experience in his two years of life (laughs) and uh and that day for the third link that uh my husband was trying to he had left to go get something else that we forgot and the tv cameras showed up and they're interviewing me and adrian was standing there holding my hand you know And that's i just that's sort awesome. of thought yeah my mother was never like in front of a scrum of journalists holding my <laughs> you know i was never in front of like a two sure. and he's just going to be like this is what moms do <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> you know?
0: that's his normal yeah no that's, that's awesome true. this is very very cool now if people yeah. want the information on your your campaign or on the party of gentle, where should we yeah. say
1: and listen, if people want to become members, you can become a member and you don't have to be a resident of the city of Quebec. You can live anywhere in the world. And, so,
0: how, is, and how does
1: that happen? You can go to our website, which is uh, triple W transition transition qc or O R G and click on um, I think it's Cinti K and then Devenir Mom
0: very cool and we'll, we could definitely put direct links to that too it we'll, yeah. like link that well yeah you appreciate the time thank you very much this is cool
1: thank you so much jesse take care now our fathers look at us and sigh with despair to
0: think that everything they love we simply do not share but the spirit never dies our culture will survive each of us must choose how much to keep alive